going after him after all. Fletcher, I'm giving you a commission. Hound this Wales to kingdom come. Hound him, Senator. A man like Wales lives by the feud. Because of what you did here today, I've got to kill that man. Well, he'll have to run for it now. And hell is where he's headed. He'll be waiting there for us, Senator. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Filmoscopy. Coming to you live from the studio apartment. I am today's host in a new place, Lance. I am joined today, uh, after two episodes missing uh, a member of the, the threesome. I probably regret saying that. And me not being on the last episode, you wouldn't know that I wasn't on the last episode because the fuckers didn't acknowledge it. I'm going to say hi to my buddy Cody. Cody out in Springfield where the Simpsons live. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Uh, The last episode, we did forget to mention you. And I don't know why. We said it. We said it off camera. Yeah, we said it off camera. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad glad that I am so important that I'm not missed. It's cool. (laughs) Yeah. Um, we expected today's you to ad lib all your lines after. <laughs> it's like I'll listen to the show and then I'll just add in some comment. Like, we're yeah, you're after. like, yeah, that's a really good, uh, that's a really good explanation, Owen. Like, right, like say it real quick before I get my next sentence in. Invited me on for an episode, so hopefully really? I get to do that shortly. Really? Yeah, I had a, a quick Twitter exchange with them. Like, they finally, well, not finally. I don't know the circumstances, but life lined up where they could record an episode and one of the guys was like man you gotta make time to come up on the episode when i had a twitter exchange with him i'm like oh that's freaking awesome so that'd be cool hopefully that happens in the future next couple months cool Uh, but shout out to the real bad dudes cast um do they listen do they listen to our show they probably don't (laughs) unless it's a movie i mean probably like most people they're not like well one dude runs uh a youtube channel um Golly damn. I can't remember. His, hold on. I feel like a shithead. Gee, Willikers, Mr. I mean, Wilson. Oh, gosh dang it. Oh, God damn it, Lois. Oh. <laughs> it's uh, Fatal Vision TV. He's part of the Bill uh, Bad Dudes cast. And he, like, I've had, you know, exchanges with him, like, actually through, like, through YouTube comments because I was trying to get in contact with him because they hadn't done an episode in a while. Yeah. And, uh, like, I found him on Twitter, and he follows us back, which is really cool. They probably listened to an episode that interests them. I know he listened to the first couple episodes, because I asked him to, and he I think he dug the show then. But uh, anyway. He should so, follow my alt, my alt Twitter account. <laughs> well, right. no, we don't need you. We don't, uh, Owen, we don't need your social media involved, okay, buddy? We don't want to get canceled. Is it called Top Hat Wishboner? No, it's called Probably um, so. It's called spread ass. <laughs> oh God. With two dollar signs <laughs> right. instead of an S. It's nothing Run. but the No well, real quick, real quick. Uh well technically Owen, you're a Hoosier and I don't care for much for you either. No. Um, yeah. Actually most in the in the Civil War, most of my family um was from like Kentucky and shit during the Civil War. I have I actually have family members who fought on both sides. Um because they're from like kind of that area, like West Virginia and shit. So, so you um, got by Cure's family. Yeah, it was literally brothers fighting, and then fucking. <laughs> oh my, my god! <laughs> 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 um, 
But yeah, today uh, we're covering The Outlaw Josie Wales. It is my suggestion, so it's my movie. Yep. We're going to do a quick... Uh, I was going to say, hey, let me pose this question. What was y'all's experiences in the Civil War? But that doesn't really work. Um, <laughs> it's really not even that much of like a Civil War movie, is it? It's really more of no, a Western. That's the backdrop. Yeah. 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 It's, it's 100% the backdrop. Yeah. Um, real quick. So... Let me go ahead and go around the room. We'll go in alphabetical order today, just to keep it simple. Uh, Cody, what was your first experience with this movie? Uh, watching it this morning. Uh, uh, at one point, you would let me borrow a DVD or Blu-ray or something of it, and I, it sat on my shelf for like six months, and I never watched it. And I gave it back to you, and here we are. <laughs> yeah, you were interested in watching it because this was an inspiration for Red Dead Redemption. Yeah, well, I think well, I think a lot of it too was at the time I was in school and I was taking that film class, and for the film class I had to watch Unforgiven, and it got me interested in more Clint Eastwood stuff, and so you had suggested that, but I just I never, for whatever reason, I just never watched it. Okay, yeah, I remember you doing that film class That's where you had to end up watching Psycho, wasn't it? Yeah, the original Psycho. Mm-hmm. Because I had, I remember I had skipped showing you that because it was black and white. And I was like, you got to watch Psycho 2, 3, and 4. Come on, you know. Uh, so we watched that together. Um, Owen, we had talked about this when we recorded Pulp Fiction. But you'd seen this movie once before, right? And this is like your second time watching it? Yeah, I think this will be my second time. Um, yeah, I think I already talked about it. This movie has been like, um, my dad really likes this movie. And uh, I really like this movie. Uh, my first dog that I ever had was named Josie. So <laughs> I yeah. thought you were gonna say my first my first dog also liked this movie. <laughs> yeah, my first dog was that's, a con- man. That's the first thought that went through my head. As mean as that is, I apologize, but I was like, me and my dog first dog. The movie too? Yeah, hell yeah, dude. <laughs> he got forced to watch it. Go away, cat. My cat's chewing at my kid. Just... <laughs> oh. So I'll go ahead and get my quick history of it. My dad is a big military and western movie fan um he really likes uh, clint eastwood movies he likes john wayne movies he likes um like later on generations he likes some arnold schwarzenegger movies steven seagal kind of like the big stars sylvester stallone that type of stuff um and you know kind of running the family my grandmother on my mom's side was a lot like that too she because like i've talked i've mentioned her quite a bit on this show and you know she had liked this movie my mom actually likes this movie um what's funny is watching these movies growing up i was extremely bored with them and you know i i I just noticed like you know the thing of like a gateway drug you know something that introduces you to a whole new world it's kind of like i was listening to a video of some guy reacting to teens reacting to lincoln park (laughs) <laughs> and you know it's like one of those like cringe worthy like you know things like the teens now were reacting to old Lincoln Park and all that stuff and the guy was talking about Lincoln Park being kind of like a, a gateway band to a different world like it's the thing you listen to because it's on the radio and then you hear other things like it but not like it if you go like deeper into it more obscure stuff I have a I have a Clint Eastwood gateway movie that I'm going to suggest at the end of this podcast that we'll get to in about a month and that movie, like, it clicked. I started liking Clint Eastwood. 
And when I went back to rewatch this movie with my dad, and I was probably like 11 or 12 years old, I really liked it. And it's been a movie I periodically have watched over the years. And I remember loving it. And I still do. Spoiler alert. Um, but, you know, Clint Eastwood is really great in this movie. Clint Eastwood's a great actor anyway. and But at times, you know, he kind of plays the same character over and over. Which he does a really good job. I'm not complaining. But the fact that he did that here and directed the movie is pretty incredible. Um, so, real quick... Before we get into this, because there's 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 some um, there's there's a lot of potatoes we have to eat before we get to the meat on the story. Um, Cody, what is your general view of Western movies in general? Like cowboy Western movies, not like you know, <clears throat> um, Western civilization movies. Yeah, it, it's not really a genre that I um, that I really uh, le- like look <clears throat> for in movies. Um, I know growing growing up, uh, a cousin of mine was was living with us for a while, and he was like really into western. So like on the weekends in the morning, you know, like on AMC or whatever, it'd just be western movies. And there was never a single one that I was interested in. Like they all just seemed so boring um, overall. So yeah, it, it's just not really a genre that really speaks to me. I got you, but Hocus Pocus is the first one, yeah. <laughs> Cody's like the first one, yeah, motherfucker. Okay. Um. <laughs> uh, all right, Owen. Uh, since we got you all liquored up, yeah. what is your um, general opinion of the Western genre films? Uh, I really like Westerns, but let me put an asterisk on this. Um, so classic Westerns, uh, eh, like the old black and white John Wayne ones, I've never really been like a huge fan of, but... um. You know, like spaghetti westerns and like revisionist westerns, like how this one uh, is. Um, and revisionist western just means like westerns where like usually it follows outlaws and like you know the Native Americans a little more than like the lawmen and shit, like kind of like the classic John Wayne ones do. Um, Aren't they? Isn't it also like revisionist? They kind of warp the actuality of the history of it to make it a better story for themselves like I, romanticize outlaws and stuff i think well all westerns do no i don't think any westerns actually like pretty much any kind of accurate in any way i think revisionist oh, I, I don't mean that but i, th- I thought yeah. when i was reading the revisionist thing that was something that was highlighting the definition of it yeah on I, wikipedia i definitely think yeah you're right because um you know most revisionists i mean most westerns play pretty hard and fast but revisionist westerns really like in revisionist westerns most of the time the entire scenarios are made up um um but i think really like revisionist westerns are just about thinking about the west in a different way because you know back in the 50s everybody was like yeah the law cowboy lawman he's the good guy you know and it was all pretty straightforward but you know you have you know spaghetti westerns and shit kind of coming in and you know they kind of have their own ideas about uh, like moral ambiguity and stuff like that, um, but I really, I really like those ones, um, you know. But yeah, I love westerns. The more, com- more complex ones. Yeah, exactly. I love uh, you know the archetypes. I love uh, the sounds. I love the guns. Um, it's all really cool to me. And I even love the real old west period. You know, I love, I love to read about it and stuff like that. So yeah, I've always been a big fan. Okay, good deal. Um... I think I'm kind of a mix between you guys 
Like, it's not a genre that I'm going to go out of my way to watch, like with Cody. But there are a lot of movies in the genre I do like. Um, I've never really sat down and watched the Man With No Name trilogy. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen bits and pieces of the movies. I've seen The Good and the Bad and the Ugly quite a few times. And I've seen A Fistful of Dollars at least once. I haven't seen A Few Dollars More. And those are the Clint Eastwood Spaghetti Westerns. Um, but there is one Western movie that I absolutely love. And it's going to be boring for Cody. So maybe it might be a special episode me and Owen has to do. Because I don't know if I want to use it as one of my choices. But it's called Once Upon a Time in the West. And it's the same guy who directed the three Clint Eastwood movies. And Charles Bronson... Um, plays in it it's a great fucking movie and uh, henry fonda who you know obviously was a legendary actor was always a good guy plays the bad guy in the movie and it's fucking awesome uh but yeah so it's it's kind of like it's a mixed bag for me i guess i don't go out of my way to watch them but there are some good ones Mm -hmm. i think the only john wayne uh western movie i like is mcclintock because it's got a lot of humor in it and that's that's really about it for me. Like when it comes to that, if it's not Clint Eastwood, chances are I'm not going to even give it a chance. Um, but yeah, that's about it. All right, The Outlaw Josie Wells, released June 30th, 1976. Okay. On a budget of 3.7 million, had a box office of 31.8 million. It. Let's go ahead and get this part out of the way since I don't like it so much. It didn't. It. Right now, it says on Wikipedia that um, Josie Wells was widely acclaimed by critics in August of 1976. But when I listened to the making of feature it on my Blu-ray, well, I, I found it on YouTube, so I was listening to it. Clint Eastwood was saying that if the movie was released now, and I think that interview was done in like 1999, he said if the movie was released now, it'd probably be as well received as Unforgiven was. Um, but I and again I was listening to some of the commentary on the Blu-ray after I watched I watched it for like the first time, and the guy who was talking I think he was a film critic said the movie wasn't as uh, acclaimed as it was said I guess, but um, you know other than that and right now unfortunately I mean I I hate going to the Rotten Tomatoes part. Um, right now retro retrospectively the film has a ninety-one percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And is a 69 on Metacritic on my <laughs> reviews. Nice. <laughs> nice. I know. <laughs> All right. So, we're going to go over the general cast. Clint Eastwood is the titular character, Josie Wales. He's the two. Chief Dan George as Lone Wati. Wati. That's the long-haired Native American gentleman yes. that's with him. Dude, he's cool. He's my favorite character. He, <laughs> I got a quick story about him, too, that I heard. On the con- I heard it on a, a review of it, and I also heard it on the, the, the featurette from Clint Eastwood about him. Laura Lee, which is the blonde-haired lady at the end of the movie that I guess is smitten with Josie Wells, that just kind of stares at the camera and only has a few lines. Her name is Sandra Locke, and she this was the first movie she did with Eastwood she ended up doing six with them and they were in a domestic partnership for like 15 to 20 years um, Captain Terrell is Bill McKinney uh, 
he played in quite a few movies. Uh, Fletcher is played by John Vernon, and he has the absolute greatest of voice of all time. I want him narrating my dreams. And let's see here. Who plays? Mention, who plays the mud people rednecks? The what now? The mud people rednecks that say, "Now move slow, so I can count the hairs on your head." Okay. <laughs> All right. The best part about that, I don't know the other guy, but the other guy is the one to count the hairs on that hand. <laughs> That's Uncle Leo from Seinfeld. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Oh, uh, let's see here. I love it Carpet when he spits bagger. on him. Yeah, that, that shit's fucking awesome. Um, I'm trying to find his name. Because he plays in... Lynn Lesser is age uh, is Abe. And he's the one that's just like, got the hairs on the hand. He's like, uh, come on, aren't you big Josie Wales? He's great. But he's Uncle Leo. And if anybody out there has never seen Seinfeld, um, just YouTube Uncle Leo, Jerry, hello. And <laughs> Seinfeld uh, is having a dream because he accidentally put his uncle in jail for stealing batteries. And he has this dream of his uncle working out. And he's an old guy. He has this dream of his uncle working out in prison. <laughs> and he has a tattoo on his knuckles. Jerry, hello! <laughs> it's just, it's really great. Alex will laugh at that joke because he knows what the fuck I'm talking about. You guys are losers. Yeah. Anyway, uh so, yeah, that's the only people. I mean, there's, you know, you can get on Wikipedia and look at the rest of the cast. Those are kind of like the important ones. Well, uh, let's see here. Who plays Josie Wells like the kid? His son? Yeah, his, his uh, no, not his son. Um, the, the guy who's like his stand-in son. The guy who teaches him like Rose of Alabama. Oh, that kid. Hold on, what's that kid's name? He says, "Oh, brown." Sam Bottoms. Pussy. His name's Jamie. Okay, Jamie. Yeah, I know a guy at uh, work named Jamie. So, <laughs> Jamie's got a gun too, and he did have a gun in this movie, yeah. well, like a musket. But you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, he sure did. All right, real quick, because this is where Owen's going to live up to his uh, historical buff. Yeah, <laughs> I I must preface this before you say anything. I'm not great at the Civil War, and if I'm if I'm good at anything in the Civil War, it's it's Eastern theater shit, all right. So it's like Army of the Potomac, Army of Northern Virginia, like you know, uh, McClellan and Lee and stuff. I don't really know Trans Mississippi type shit too well. Okay, okay. But... Hey, Owen, Owen, look, man. When I say that you're an expert, and then you preface it by saying you're really not an expert, it ruins the whole bit. Yeah, exactly. I do have a so master's. Do me, I want do me a favor now. Shut the fuck up and let me do my job. Let me sh- let me show my doctors. <laughs> I did my dissertation on uh, fucking bleeding Kansas. So, <laughs> um, okay. So Josie Wales was inspired by the 1972 novel. Okay, this people, this this shit gets real deep. Okay, I'm gonna go ahead and read you this first part of this paragraph on the production, and then I'll let Owen take it away. Oh boy, the outlaw Josie Wells was inspired by the 1972 novel by supposedly Cherokee writer <laughs> Forrest Carter, <laughs> alias. Hold on, this is the best part because I don't think Cody knows this. Alias, a former KKK leader and segregationist, speechwriter for George Wallace. 
Asa Earl Carter. <laughs> now, here's the best part. His identity was exposed in part due to the, to the success of the film. The book was originally titled The Rebel Outlaw Josie Wells and was later retitled Gone to Texas. Now, this dude had moved out to like Oklahoma or some shit. Yeah, he moved to Texas. He got a tan. No, no, no. I'm talking about like uh, Carter. Yeah, no, yeah. That's what I'm saying. I think he moved to Texas. Oh, is it Texas? Okay. So he got a suntan and claimed that he was half Cherokee Indian, mm-hmm. and his name was Forrest Carter. The movie blew up, and the book blew up after the movie did, and people were like, "Well, we gotta know more about this Arthur." Well, this guy put out a uh, autobiography talking about his parents getting killed when he was a child being raised by his grandparents yeah, who were he, being killed when he was 10 years old. Well, it's like the teaching of Little Tree or whatever. It's like a semi-fake yes. autobiography. Yeah, that used to be... No, um, dude, that's 100% fake. Yeah, <laughs> and the funniest thing is that used to be like um, like way back in the day. That book used to be like required reading for like kids um, doing like Native American studies. <laughs> so... That's fucking crazy, dude. Yeah. This dude put a wool over everybody's eyes. Yeah, I don't. He was a fucking. He was a clansman, like he was a leader of a clans chapter for the KKK. Yeah, well, he he was a leader of like a splinter group of like pretty militant clansmen who were like, they like they splinter off because they thought the KKK wasn't extreme enough, pretty much. Um, and uh, he was kind of like a politician. He did a bid for governor of um, like some county in Alabama yeah, or something. He challenged, he challenged Wallace because Wallace was – he was the guy he wrote speeches for. He's the one – Yeah, Segregation Now, famously. Segregation Tomorrow, Segregation Forever. He wrote that speech, um, all sorts of shit. So he was a huge segregationist and stuff. So, And by the way, people, this was 1968. Okay, not 1868. This was 1968 that all this stuff was happening because <laughs> yeah. George Wallace it's- run for president – he tried to get a bid to get into presidency, uh, to be in the presidential race, but and he was super fucking racist about everything. Yeah. But Asa Earl Carter is the one who is actually Forrest Carter. He's yeah. the one that uh, that wrote all of his stuff for him. And the funny thing was, they took the name Forrest Carter from. Mm, where did he get the name? I forget why he like decided to like run away pretty much i don't know something had happened but anyways um, uh, nathan bedford Forrest, a general in the confederate army who fought in the civil war and the first leader of the ku klux klan and that's where forrest gump got his name too not to ruin that for everybody old jeb stewart dude he was a cavalry corps commander down here there's a lot of battles down where i live where he was involved in but um either way um what I, what I was meaning to say was, um, yeah, the story goes is that um, Asa Carter, we, we don't really know why he decided to, or there there might be some reason why. You might know more Lance because I didn't really read up on it. I just know this. Um, so for some reason, he yeah decided to move to Texas, took on the persona of Forrest Carter, and, uh, you know, kind of, we don't know if he turned over a new leaf or if, you know, he no, kind of... he did not. Yeah, well, he, I, I mean, I think he did Reading s- his... Go ahead, sorry. Sorry, yeah. I mean, I don't know. He never really, like, after that, really championed for any kind of segregation or anything like that after he moved down. Now, he he changed because... Okay, he lost. And if you read the book, Mm. 
and Cody, you can chime in, dude. I hate to like talk over this whole thing, but he when he lost that government that that bid for the governor to Wallace, the guy he used to work for, he viewed Wallace as a traitor to the cause, like. Because uh, Wallace realized that yeah. you couldn't be a segregationist, so he tried to be a centrist for the government so he could be elected more, and obviously that still didn't work. So I think the video I was listening to when they were talking about the whole story said that I think you can look at a parallel for Fletcher in this movie as Wallace. He was the guy that uh, turned him in practically and turned his back on everybody when he turned him into the... Yeah, it's... It's kind of funny because, yeah, a lot of this movie is kind of like a, a parallel, you know? Um, and and you kind of have to make that, um, you know, it, it, I think it's part of what makes this movie kind of so, like, the writing kind of feel more emotional in a way. It's like you can tell this is coming from a real place. Like, the book, you know, he'd actually, you know, I'm, I'm trying to say that, um, shit, I don't know what I'm trying to say. I had too many beers. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I'm just saying that you could tell it came from a yeah, real place, I mean, pretty much. Um, I feel like if if anybody could, in you know, in the terms of the point of view of like a ex Confederate, um, you know, who's who's lost the war, I think if anybody could capture that kind of feeling in the protagonist, it would probably be somebody who was like an ex segregationist who got. Ousted, ousted and had to, you know, assume well, a new identity. Here's the thing. He, That's pretty much what, he, he you know, Josie Wells though. has to do. He was like, this was when the whole thing, the segregational stuff was like, not okay, but you could get away with this shit. When he lost the government, the, the bid, that's when he yeah. moved to Texas and changed his name. They didn't find out that he wasn't, that Forrest Carter was a fake name until after he was dead. Like, so he died. They had a funeral for this guy mm-hmm. as Forrest Carter. And then some uh, Southern people, I guess from, like, the actual Southern Confederate States, not from Texas, showed up. And they held another funeral for him, removed the Forrest Carter uh, headstone, and put his real name down. And that's when everybody kind of fucking found out this dude was, like, this was after he was dead that he found out that he was a KKK well, Klansman. There's a... There's a funnier other story too, where um, he was doing like an Barbara Walters, like a book interview. Yeah, and he kind of has like his head down, and he has a hat over his head and shit, and um, kind of trying to hide his identity. But uh, I guess some people from Alabama or something kind of recognized him, um, and were like, "That looks a lot like it's it's fucking crazy, man!" Um, Like this this whole thing, like I not like, hey, I want to see the horrible things he did. But they should make this dude's life into a fucking story, like into a movie. Uh, but like, yeah, Aloe Josie crazy. Wells, like, it's probably his um, glamorous view of putting a heroic stamp on his life. Because he, I think this guy was first and foremost obviously a racist, but he was also trying to glorify himself the whole time. You know, I think that's what this whole thing was. Listening to that yeah. guy's uh, this interview, not interview, this video this guy put together about the story. And I don't think Eastwood and his production company realized that that's what this story was about. Yeah, no, no one involved in the production really knew about the whole story with this or anything. So Now, here's here, here, let's go ahead and get into this plot real quick so, so we don't dick around this episode because I feel like we're going to have some tangents on this plot. 
So it starts out uh, with a Missouri farmer. Yeah. Uh, his son and him are in the field. This is why I think the way the movie portrays it, because it does use the Civil War as a backdrop, not a morality tale, because he's doing the work. He doesn't have any slaves. Now, I know Missouri was a part of the Confederacy, yeah. and Kansas was a part of the Union, which really doesn't make sense if you think about it, because they're both the same exact location on the fucking map in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, there was some there was some tension between that. So there's a whole event called Bleeding Kansas where Kansas, through popular sovereignty, was supposed to decide whether or not it wanted to be a free or slave state. That's kind of where all this shit came from, like the guerrilla fighting and stuff that is showcased in this movie. You know, John Brown comes from Bleeding Kansas and stuff like that. You know, basically, people were, you know fighting to the death over this thing uh you know killing families and and shit and burning down houses over this on both sides so that was pretty this movie like the way this movie does it is the confederate gorillas that come up and okay first off josie wells is like farming and then you hear his wife call for their son to come wash up because dinner's about to happen. Then you start to hear some screaming when the son goes up to the house. And it's uh, Kansas Redlegs attacking his house. The group of guys have his wife pulling her out of the house. The house is on fire. You hear his son call out his name. He runs up there, gets bashed in the head, and then gets sliced on the face. And then he wakes up. You know, his son and wife are dead. And the house is burned down. And a really good shot in this movie that's really memorable to me is you know he's digging the graves and you see him dragging a big burlap sack and you see his son charred his his son's char like charcoal hand fall out mm-hmm. and uh i thought that was a really good shot and it's like holy shit and then you know i was listening to a film review of this because i kind of thought you know like this is what it was meant and you know he buries his his wife and child and he puts a cross up and he says, you know, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. And then he pushes the cross down. It's like he's leaning on his faith and his faith just snaps. So he's no longer, he no longer believes. But I also, in the back of my mind, was thinking, they did the Wolverine burial from um, the X-Men movie. What the fuck was that movie, Cody? Logan. Right. <laughs> they did the Logan thing. Like, he pulled it down, you know, the cross became an X. So it's like, ah, that's cool. So do you have any thoughts up until this point, Cody? Um, he looks at his son's charcoal hand fall out. He's like, damn it, I overdid it. Yeah. I can't eat this now. He's like, ah, damn, into the trash it goes. Oh, man. <laughs> what, a, what a waste of good barbecue. Like, well, I'm going to to add a little more salt to this one. He's like, um, <laughs> should be seasoned. Uh, I mean, my, my thought, I mean, obviously it's the beginning of the movie, but uh, I don't really have any, like, thoughts at this point. Mostly I'm just like, uh... I kind of get the impression this is going to be a just another western, um, but yeah. This is the western that influenced Red Dead Redemption, you asshole. <laughs> they literally stole the plot from this movie for Red Dead Redemption. Which <laughs> uh, which one? The first one. Oh yeah. The one that blew up. His wife and ki- kid get killed, and he's getting revenge on them. That's what this whole thing's about. That doesn't happen in the first one, though. Yeah, that doesn't happen. Yeah, in the it first does. Game. That doesn't happen in the second. I'm talking game, about really. the. No, yeah, it doesn't happen in any because I'm I'm trying to think because, <laughs> yeah, because no, the story of Red Dead Redemption one is that John Marston is basically, 
Um, he's a wanted man, but the the marshals or whatever that find him yeah, are it's supposed basically to be the FBI. For- yeah, so they they're forcing him to go around and find his old crew because he was part of like just like a gang of thieves, and to find his old crew and go around and hunt them all down. And basically, they, they promise him that if he does this, then he will be um, forgiven. I don't remember what the actual legal word yeah, is for it, but yeah, um, he'll be pardoned he, or whatever. Yeah, there you go. He'll be pardoned or whatever. But then the big twist at the end is that they show up on his property. Uh, and they blow him to smithereens because they have like thirty Damn, FBI scores. members outside of his barn. Yeah, yeah. They Sorry. they share themes and stuff. Yeah. Um. So but yeah, his his wife and kid don't die because his kid actually more spoilers for Red Dead Redemption that came out in fucking two thousand ten or whatever. <laughs> um, he his it actually jumps ahead to when his kid is an adult and he tracks down the the FBI guy that made the deal with John Marston and kills him. Mm-hmm. And then so. the game fucking ends and it's cool. And it goes, bang, and it shows the title screen. It's fucking bad. Wow. Okay, I was wrong on that, my bad, but let's see here. Red Dead Redemption's 1,500-page script was written in two years, taking inspiration from films like The Wild Bunch, mm-hmm. High Plains Drifter, which was actually directed by Clint Eastwood. High, High Plains Star Drifter Clint fucking Wood. rocks, dude. Have you seen High Plains Drifter? It's been a long time. That movie's I don't remember much fucking of it. cool, dude. I love that movie. Um, Unforgiven and The Proposition. So, I got two Eastwood inspirations on the game. So, I'll take it as a half victory for myself. Okay. And um, then Red Dead Redemption Undead Nightmare. <laughs> no, yeah. <I'm> <laughs> now, what fucking inspiration, what movie did that take? Dawn, uh, it Night it of the took Living inspiration Dead. from Acid. Night from of the LSD. Living Dead. Night of the Living Dead, more like it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so real quick, we'll go ahead and try to like skedaddle through some of this plot. Yeah, so you know he has to bury his kids, and then these pro-Confederate Missouri bushwhackers, led by William T. Anderson, Bloody Bill, and Luke, Bloody Bill, Bloody Bill's and fucked up, up, dude. Bloody, I'm, I'm, I mean, there's a mixed opinion on Bloody Bill, but I don't. Bloody Bill did some fucked up shit, but it's whatever. Well, enlighten us real quick. Yeah. What'd you say? I said enlighten us real quick. You're like, yeah. Oh, uh, <laughs> I don't know. He just did some massacres and stuff, killed a couple people, innocent people. You know, oh, general standard Missouri Kansas bullshit. You know, he just, you know. But where did so, um from from? Go ahead, sorry, Cody. Uh, my bad. Where did Bushwhacker Luke come into this? <laughs> he yeah he he doesn't know what that is. He yeah, I, I, know. I do though. <laughs> I ain't cousin Luke. I ain't cousin Butch. Um, uh, real quick. So, as a general oversimplification of this, yeah. Owen, would you say that from a general overview of the Confederate uh, and Union? Okay, Union being good, Confederate being bad, yes. white and black. Uh, is the Kansas Missouri like border war? Like the definition of gray area in this war, in in certain instances, depending on who it is. I mean, they were definitely like planters. Planters are the rich Southerners who owned slaves. There were definitely planters over there who, uh, you know, were just kind of fighting to preserve slavery. And the whole the whole issue started with just people from the South trying to move into Kansas to make it a slave state. You know, um, 
So that's kind of fucked up to begin with. But, you know, then it kind of got retaliatory and kind of, you know, just kind of became, you know, oh, well, you're on Missouri side, so I'm going to fucking kill you. I don't even care. <laughs> I don't care what your opinion on this is. So, yeah, in a lot of instances, this is kind of the saving grace. I guess this is the point I'm trying to make is that there's a lot of movies. Um, I'm thinking like Gods and Generals and shit like that that take place from a Confederate perspective. Um, and those movies are really like they're dumb. Um, like they're ahistorical. They whitewash like Confederate, um, you know, uh, bullshit like slavery and stuff like that. They try to make these planter class officers seem like they're like, you know, I don't know, better people than they fucking, you know, better than they were. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the glorifying them. Yeah. The saving grace is, is that of this movie that makes it not feel like it's patronizing. You're trying to really push an agenda on you is the fact that Missouri, Kansas was fucked up. So yeah, and it was pretty great. So that's really just the point I'm trying to make. And it's completely believable okay. to have, um, you know, somebody's family get killed by Jayhawkers and want to fight the union after that. You know, that shit a hundred percent had to have happened in Missouri, Kansas, you know, bar none. And it's very, um, it doesn't highlight the Confederate uh, guerrillas that the bushwhackers. Yeah, I mean they, they uh, lose. Cousin Luke, Cousin Bush. It doesn't highlight what they did because obviously they were just as bad as the Jay Hawkers. Yeah, they there's no but, there's no glory really behind them. I mean, like they they lose and they're battered and like you know I mean they're you know they get their houses handed to them. You know. Um, yeah, and the thing is, like you know, also with. Josie Wales, the way, the way the movie's directed. Obviously, I've never read the book. But it feels like there's, like, such a, like, I'm just trying to do my own thing for Josie Wales that if it was the Confederate guerrillas that killed his family, he would have joined the Jay, like, Walkers, or the, the Jayhawkers, or the ones that... Yeah, the Red you know, Legs. They just call them Red Legs. Yeah, he, he was... Yeah, the red legs, and he, you know, he wouldn't have, you know, it, that's the thing. It's like he, it was a a way for him to get closer to his cause because he had nothing left. Yeah, his wife and son get killed. They come up and say, "We're going up to Kansas and make things right." Yeah, he goes, "I'll be riding with you." And I mean, yeah, and you know, like I said, I guess it's not it's not really ahead. like a huge big deal. It's just something that I mean, you know, you're gonna have people watch this movie now and be like, "Oh, well, you know, this this and this." And, you know, I just want to kind of, like, shed some light on that. Like, yeah, if this guy was, like, a fucking, you know, like, plantation owner or something, like, in, like, the Army of Northern Virginia, you know, like, no, yeah, he's an asshole. I don't give a shit about planter class people and shit losing. Uh, I don't give a fuck, you know. Um, but mm -hmm. I think, yeah, the point I'm just trying to make is, is that you know, that's kind of. There's, there's, there's more moral gray here because this movie doesn't deal in any kind of slavery yeah exactly. this movie you know it uses like i said we like i said at the beginning of this this movie uses the the civil war as a backdrop to give you definition to these characters but the story is he's trying to like really you know he's trying to avenge his family but he picks up these misfit toys along the way and it becomes kind of like a new family for him that he doesn't really want yeah it's pretty much you know, he meets it's him. honestly it's just set up to make him like an outlaw well, that's pretty much all it is you know 
Yeah. Oh, I, I totally agree. Hold on. I had something. Whew. Yeah, I know. Anyway, sorry. WrestleMania is going on right now at this moment, and Alex and Jacob were tweet- texting something in my group chat. Um, <laughs> so it shows like a quick montage. Like the first five minutes, his family gets killed, and he joins the, the Bushwhackers. It shows like a montage of battles being done during the title sequence. And then after the title sequence is over, Fletcher, who was the second in command behind um, Bill Anderson, that I just saw the dude's name. Was what his name yeah, was? Yeah, Bloody Bill, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Bloody Bill. And Fletcher was telling them that, like, look, I've had enough. I want to go home. They said if you go down there, turn your gun in, swear back into the Union, they'll feed you and send you on your way home. And they all decide to go down there except for Josie because Josie has no one to go home to. You know, this isn't him fighting like, you know, we got to fight pro-slavery. No, he's an outlaw at this point because he wants to get back to people that, you know, killed his family. Well, Fletcher goes down there and the governor, oh, what the fuck was this dude's name? Uh, I swear Fletcher, the Fletcher has an incredible voice, I swear. Yeah, the governor's a real governor too. I forget what his name is though. Yeah, I'm looking at it. No, he's Senator James H. Lane. That's, he calls him Senator. Yeah, he goes like, Senator. And what happens is um, one of the kids, Jamie, I say kids, he's the only kid of this group. He's probably like 20 years old. But um, he kind of like, you know, is still kind of fighting the swearing in, just kind of being like a kid, like smarting off and shit like that. And then Josie sees it happening before they all do because he's up on the on the hill. All the conf- um, Confederate bushwhackers get gunned down by the Union. Turns out it was a setup, and Fletcher didn't know he was leading them into a trap. He thought, you know, it was legit over. The war's done. We're just gonna go home. And turns out that's not what happened. But um, yeah, so the whole movie, like this kid gets killed. Josie ends up taking care of him. They, it's a really good little gunfight. Uh, Josie's like blowing everything up. He's like he's like doing like as Cody Cody watched the movie. He's like doing Commando, but without a machine gun, <laughs> like the Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> machine gun. <laughs> he's yeah. like gunning everything, blowing up tents and shit. Like this dude, man, this fucker crazy. Um, but then he sees the kid Jamie got shot, so they sneak off, and then like the next, I'd say probably twenty minutes of the movie. They run into, um, <laughs> I swear, when they run into the guy trying to sell that potion, and uh, he's like, this stuff works great for wounds. And he goes, what about stains? He goes, I'm sure it does, does well, and Josie just spits on him. That's, like, <laughs> that's another little, like a small theme in this movie, Josie Will spitting tobacco on shit. Yeah, that's what I do in real and, life uh, now because of this movie. <laughs> it's just really good. Like It's a whole little like thing. And they run into the red legs trying to capture them. And that doesn't really work out for them because they have to take a trolley over. And then Josie Wells shoots the rope. So the trolley is just yeah. going down the river. Call it, he calls it the Missouri Boat Ride. Missouri. I like how they say Missouri. In yeah, movie. all the Southerners. Yeah, Missouri. Uh, Missouri. Um, and then, you know, we run into Uncle Leo and his redneck cousin. And they're trying to capture Josie Wells. It doesn't go good for him. He spits on his forehead. And then the next scene is um, 
you know, they're hauled up in kind of like a little tent, and it's raining, and they're waiting for the Union soldiers to go to bed so they can go. Well, Josie tells the kid to, you know, here he's like, here's some uh, beef jerky. Don't swallow anything but the juice. I'll be back in a minute. Can you imagine, like, here, swallow beef jerky juice. <laughs> like, that's the thing to yeah, do. Yeah, he's like snapping to his Slim Jim, brother. Ooh, yeah. Here's some um, jerky, brother. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right, Cody, you got anything to say at this point, man? Um, at this point in the movie, I'm still pretty bored. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know if that comes as a surprise to anybody, but again, like to me, it just feels like a Western. And again, Westerns don't really appeal to me that much. Um, it's not, it's really not until he, he starts like gathering, you know, people into like his little caravan or whatever that it becomes a little more interesting for me so yeah the first half okay. of the movie i'm just like kind of i don't know kinda okay bored. okay well i just want i want to make sure because uh uh alex said that you were real quiet on the mortal Kombat episode i'm like shit i probably talked too much and didn't let him chime in as much yeah, we do talk I? Too much. I, felt, I felt i felt like i talked quite a bit on that episode but i don't know i don't remember that was so no because alex, alex said I, I alex wasn't saying i talked a lot but i mean i was going a mile a minute i didn't let i don't have i don't think i let certain things breathe for be more discussion i kind of hurried along the plot yeah well i kind of um, i, I kind of make sure i don't do that this i always time. feel like well, we I, talk I, over i kind shit. of this going into this recording i kind of figured this was primarily going to be a youtube sort of thing um, you too. Oh, I know, but I, I just want to make sure I don't leave you in the dust. Like, if you got right. anything, like anything that pops in your head, like you remember from history class or anything, dude. I swear to God, I just, I just want or you anything to that fucking pisses you off. History, <laughs> history. Let me tell you something, no more, boy. Don't you know? Yeah. I it's... liked it when gumballs were five cents. Danny, uh, okay, about my let's heritage. talk real quick. Let's talk about <laughs> the rock candy when we get to this. Okay. <laughs> what did you say, Cody? I said, damn it, you talking about my heritage. This is my heritage, man, <laughs> brother. This is a heritage. Not a well, Cody, that's not entirely true, Cody, because what if your grandmother was a German immigrant? What if uh, what if Josie Wells, like, in, like, one scene, he just gets, like, a fucking, like, big GMC pickup truck and rolls coal? <laughs> he fucking, like... Oh, like a rock! And he plays that song yeah, for GMC. No, and, and to just correction, my, my grandmother's dad was a German immigrant. And yeah, they didn't. They didn't. Okay. Come, they didn't come here until like the late 1800s. I think most of my ancestry didn't come here until like the late 1800s. So like they were here. Now after here's the thing, the though. War. Now didn't your great grandfather? Didn't he immigrate to Kansas though? Yeah. So or was it Minnesota? No. So when they came here from Germany, they lived in Illinois actually, and then um, maybe it was Indiana, and then because that's where my grandmother was actually born. Um, and then when she was a really, really, uh, small child, they moved to Kansas. Um, so, and like, that's where my dad is from, is from Kansas. And, um, okay. Gotcha. It wasn't until like where the Where did your 80s. mom come? Like, where did, when does the Minnesota Viking thing come in for your grandmother? Okay. So my grandmother in her adult life, she moved away from Kansas and up to Minnesota, um, and lived there for several years, uh, Okay. Yeah, she ba- she basically rooted for three football teams because there were three primary states that she lived in throughout her life, and that was 
she would root for Kansas City. I know technically it's Missouri, but you know, she root yeah, for Kansas know, City, you. Minnesota, and Tennessee. Um, cause she moved okay. he, she moved here in the eighties. So, um, what about she lived here instead of Missouri? Now, what, it's called misery. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you're not the first person that made the joke, but that was pretty funny. I'll give you credit. Um, now, real quick, Cody, your dad, was he already living in Tennessee when she moved here? Did he move with her? No, he moved down here after they did. Uh, okay, got you. Yeah. It, it was one of those things that he just, he, I, I think he just kind of felt like he needed to get away from wherever he was. So they were living here, so he moved down here um, because they were here. And that's where he actually met my biological mother. Okay, got you. Okay, I couldn't remember how the whole thing played out. I just know me and you share German immigrants in our family, not like we're related, but we have that same familial history. Yeah. And, uh, well, well, his family ended up in Kansas. My family immigrated to Missouri from Germany. So, wow, um, Lance. So that means you're a bushwhacker, dude. What the fuck? Dude, look. Okay, (laughs) I'll say this. I know my great grandmother on my mom's side. Had part Native American to her, um, and but she also had French to her name. Croissant. <laughs> I know. And then I know on my mom, my grandma's, my mom's mom's dad's side, the granddad's side, he was like Irish, full blooded Irish, I think. That's cool. And then my dad's side, like one generation to another, my dad's dad was born in was born in Missouri, but. His parents were German immigrants, so he was full-blooded German. My grandmother was born in East Prussia. That's when he was stationed in the army. He was in Germany, and that's where he met her and got married. So my dad's full-blooded German as well, but he was born in Fort Raleigh, Kansas. So there is kind of a Midwestern like tie that me and Cody do have. So I was want to make sure that I know you're from. Like I made the joke about Indiana. We'll talk about the Hoosiers in just a minute yeah. because. Um, it was pretty funny. Like the the old grandma in this movie is kind of entertaining because yeah. she just won't shut the fuck up. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, she's like a huge like, and a, bitch, pretty much. Yeah, yeah she, she is. She's like nothing good's ever come from Missouri. And he goes, "Well, I'm a Hoosier, and I feel the same way. I don't think too highly of Hoosiers either." I'm like, <laughs> damn. And he's just kind of staring. Like, that's the one thing about this movie. There are like a little humor in this movie that's pretty good. Yeah, it's like pretty. Like, and, it, 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 there's some levity in this movie that's really nice i enjoy it and it doesn't like it doesn't overstay its welcome and it doesn't take away from the you know overall plot of the movie yeah she she's Um, actually my favorite character in this in this movie oh is she okay cool i can't wait till we get to her on this one um so real quick uh he comes back um jamie's dead and you know he says a little word for jamie puts jamie on the back of a horse and tells him that the the blue bellies, the red legs, will um, give him a better barrel than he could. Yeah. And it also works pretty good because it serves a distraction. He takes a fire at the horse's ass. The horse runs off. The Union soldiers run after the horse, thinking they shot and killed the Confederate kid that they were looking for. And then Josie Wells sneaks off behind him. And then that's when Josie makes it to the sovereign nations where the Native Americans that have been, quote-unquote, civilized yeah. are staying. And that's where we meet. Oh shit! Let me get the guy's name. His name's Lone Whitey. Lone Watiti. Lone Watiti. Watiti, yeah, and played by Chief Dan George. And (laughs) isn't isn't that the guy who directed Thor Ragnarok? 
Oh no, no, that's Tarker Watiti. Um, oh, well, let's talk about this guy real quick. He was like 80 years old when he were when he did this movie, and he couldn't remember his lines. And they would try to do the best they could with him by giving him cue cards. But an 80 year old man on horseback is not going to be able to read cue cards with his his lines on them. So what Eastwood did was like, they kind of grilled him, okay, this is your line, this is your line, this is your line. And then Eastwood would tell him, okay, look, don't worry about your lines because he has the overall story in his head. He goes, just kind of ab-lib and, you know, tell the story as it just happened to you. You know, and that's why he goes off on those little tangents and it's kind of like a little running bit where Eastwood falls asleep when he starts telling the story. And I... (laughs) I get I get I get cracked up when he keeps telling the story about endeavor to persevere. It's like we talked to the vice president about our land being taken away and he says endeavor to persevere or something like that. And he goes, We didn't know what it meant. And they took our picture and they put it on the newspaper and uh he had the same line. He goes, And we thought about it for a while and then after we thought about it we declared war on the union. <laughs> <laughs> and then later on he says, I didn't surrender either. They took my horse and he surrendered. He's probably pulling a wagon in Kansas somewhere. <laughs> but uh, so Eastwood, like that whole bit is he's telling kind of like a little bit of his backstory. You know, he's completely been, lack of a better term, like all of his skills have been taken away from like not using them in his older age and, you know, being civilized, quote unquote. Um, and, but throughout the movie, he has some of his skills come back, which is pretty good. Because he tries to sneak up on Eastwood, and Eastwood sneaks up on him. So Eastwood takes a nap and wakes up. Because, you know, it, he's Eastwood's safe in the Sovereign Nation. They can't come get him. Yeah. So Eastwood's, like, sleeping on the guy's porch. And he comes back, and he, he wakes up, and then... Um, <laughs> um, shit. Uh, YTT. Fuck, man. That ain't YTT. It's YT. It has to be because it's W A T I E. Lone YT um, is going to go with him. He's packing up, and he has a thing of rock candy <laughs> because it's rock candy, but it's not for eating. It's just for looking through. <laughs> I like it when he puts a little toad on his on his pillow. Yeah, he says he's like the the, <laughs> the the toad says we should go to Mexico in that way, <laughs> and then um. You know, they kind of go to a trading post where you see the uh, Native Americans who are trying to trade uh, fur, uh, beaver pelts, and muskrat pelts. And the guy's really screwing them over. He says, I need 10 muskrat and 30 beaver pelts. I'm like, that's a fucking lot, dude. Um, And then you meet a Native American, another Native American character, a woman who works for him, and she is Little Moonlight is her name. And she's about to get raped by two guys at the trading post. And then, like I said, a reoccurring theme, you have a few people that recognize Josie Wales and they try to capture him. Well, Josie Wales comes in because he's trying to buy one of their horses. And then they recognize him. They hold him a gunpoint. He fucking shoots them down real quick. It's really cool. Um, So, yeah. And then Little Moonlight joins the posse. And then also, there's a dog that comes along with it. I'm assuming it's her dog. I don't know. Or maybe it's uh, Lone Whitey's uh, dog. I'm not sure. You got anything anything to add to this, Owen, so far? Uh, no, not really. 
There's a lot of okay. attempted rape Cody. in this movie. Yes, there is attempted rape, but I mean, yeah, well, it was a rough time. It. It's pretty much every time a woman, <laughs> pretty much every time a woman's on screen, like, or it first introduced to the film, it's like, yep, someone's trying to rape her. <laughs> it's like, man, that is. Except the old lady, they don't. They suggest it. But that one, the one guy, that one guy was like, if you want, if you want someone, take that old woman over there. She's only worth a donkey. So Cody, is this is this the point in the movie where we're getting a little more interested when they're picking up? Is it when we get to Grandma and her granddaughter? That that the when they find the grandmother and granddaughter. That's that's pretty much when it's like, okay, my interest is peaked, and it, and I think it is just because it, you do have like that whole like, oh, there's kind of a group now. You know, it's not just two or three people and. Um, again, the grandmother is uh, my favorite character in the movie. Grandma. I think she's, I think she's funny. So it reminds um, me, it reminds me of my grandma, Steve. That was your grandma's. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, so like we're we're still getting there. It it's yeah, it's, you know. I she think reminds the, me of. I don't think it's it's not her. Maybe it is her. I don't know. I, she reminds me of the grandma from Beverly Hillbillies. I've never seen that. You never seen that show? No. Let's see here. She Beverly passed away in 1994. Hill, that's mm. where I want to be. Nah, she wasn't in that show, unfortunately. She was actually in Paint Your Wagon, which was a Clint Eastwood movie with Lee Marvin. Interesting. Who does I haven't that watched song? that movie ever. Uh, Owen. Who does that song? The best Weezer. Song. Oh, okay, that's what I thought. Say it ain't so. Whoa, whoa. Your love is a heartbreaker. That's my mercy. You, go. you guys suck. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hair to um, height, brother. What if they had a Trump, like if uh, one of the characters wore like a Naga hat? Wouldn't that be funny? No. Well, I mean, I think this is kind of like a like a more historical view of MAGA to be honest with you <laughs> but it's just funny because if you think about it like the red legs of uh, Tillman Tillman what the fuck was that dude's name hold on Look, uh, Terrell Bush. Captain Terrell he says doing good ain't got no what is, what is he saying because they were like, it says it's over. It's like, yeah, there ain't, there's nothing over doing good or some shit like that. Because there's, there's, there's an uppity up to his his mindset, but he's obviously raping, pillaging, yeah. and stealing and shit. Look, so, you know, he has that reputation. Bushwhackers, stand down and stand by. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's just listening to his, like, announcement, dude. That's really all it is. Stand down and stand by. <laughs> <laughs> Jesse Wells looks oh. to his calendar It's January 6th <laughs> He's like No I'm not surrendering <laughs> um, So real quick Look like like Speed through this real quick Because I'm trying to remember like There's a lot of like little memorable stuff in this movie But it's kind of hard The plot is a very simple plot mm-hmm. Like I said he goes through a couple more Um capture moments when people are trying to capture them like they go into town in texas they get to texas 
they get to town they run across uh grandma that cody likes and her granddaughter who giving me fuck me eyes to josie wales that's all she does like i think she barely has any lines in this film like most of the time when she's on screen she's just like staring at josie yeah. <laughs> well she says there's something wrong <laughs> with her, so. i was just looking at the results of wrestlemania austin theory beat john cena i figured he would they he they weren't gonna have him drop a title to cena when cena's like 45 and balding well here's the thing john cena's been balding people are just now realizing it and he had hair transplant surgery, and I guess it didn't take. He's trying to use that Chinese yeah. medicine. <laughs> well, no, trying well, to use that thing, snake That shit oil. actually does work for some people. Like, that shit, like, to get your hair back does work. But it does come with side effects. And if you don't continue to take the medicine, the hair that you regain falls out. You have to take it the rest of your life to keep it. See, so see, he probably didn't do that. On, on his way to L.A., Cena stopped off in the desert of Arizona and found a snake oil salesman. Yeah, he said this rattlesnake venom make a hair just grow right on out. <laughs> hey, that dude, every, t- every time you see him selling shit in this movie, it's that thing does something different. Like, he's just a salesman. He doesn't know what the fuck it does. Well, that's, <laughs> how, that's how I, snake oil salesmen were. You know, they would just, it was a miracle cure-all, pretty much. I, I don't I don't know if Owen has seen Courage the Cowardly Dog, <laughs> but it makes, me, it makes me think of the episode where Eustace is trying to grow his hair out. And he yeah. like puts the drops he turns, on his head, and he gets yeah. like really angry all the time. He goes, "Grr!" <laughs> oh man, that's uh, uh, so okay. So they ride into town. They meet these uh, these Kansas people, and it's just kind of like you know they end up like not shacking up is the worst thing. He does shack up with the granddaughter later on. Nice, and but, the grandma. Um, he's <laughs> <laughs> like, he's like. Um, She's like, they showed me some other things. She's like, are you coming on to me? I like your grandma more. It's like, she's a real gilf. Yeah. Here's the thing, guys. She can get it. And I don't know if Owen's gonna, I don't know if Owen's gonna know this or not. Cody will. It's from Robot Chicken. <laughs> and there was a spoof they did of the Golden Girls, and it was the grand, like the you know the oldest one, and she was talking about getting tagged by the entire basketball team. And it turns out she's just laying on the bas- the basketball court and they're dribbling balls in her face like basketballs. And the guy, there's a the guy at the table was like, check please. And they go into like some more details. He goes, I'm still waiting on that check. And he goes, I'll just leave money on the table. <laughs> and I just think about when you guys are saying that about this grandma, I just think about this. Like the entire basketball team, <laughs> the Hoosiers, the Indiana University Hoosiers did this to this poor lady. This is why she doesn't feel that fondly about Hoosiers. I took on their Final um, Four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, man. I swear to God. That's pretty... Oh, my God. I can't believe I walked into that one, man. I walked into that. Uh, but anyway. Uh, but it's funny, the snake salesman who you see earlier in the movie is here and he outs Josie Wales. He's like, oh my god, it's Josie Wales! And then Josie <laughs> kills uh, three out of four people that are trying to kill him. Uh, Chief shoots him. Shoots the other guy for him. And it's funny that when they're running off they knock the sales, uh, the salesman down in the, in the cow dung or horse dung. Mm-hmm. And he's looking up and he's holding like a big pile of crap he lets it go. It's so fucking stupid. But you don't see him again, and as they're running off, because obviously those were 
Union red legs that were after them, a part of the posse that was after him that they end up killing, they run off. And then you see the same grandma, her granddaughter, and I guess it was her son or maybe her husband. They get attacked by these, uh, what the fuck were these guys called? Comancheros, motherfucker. Comancheros. Now, what are Comancheros? Tell us about that. I have no idea. (laughs) Okay, good deal. Comanchero. So these guys attacked the grandma, like the little um, group of her family that were there. I'm assuming it's her husband. You don't know. It's an older gentleman that's with her. He gets killed. They find her granddaughter. They're about to rape her. That gets stopped because they can trade a virgin for like 20 horses or some crap like that. Josie Wells ends up saving them and, you know. But then when she starts talking, you're like, okay, she might be a little touched. Uh, not not in a sexual way, but in a mental way. So that might mean that Josie Wells had sex with a special needs person. Yeah, that's fucked up. Anywho, long story short, they go into the town that the grandma said her son. Here's the funny part. When they get into that, the town where her, her son settled up, this is the father of her granddaughter. She talks about her son being this great man, kept his nose to the ground. And there's this woman in here who is um, a hooker. I don't want to get in trouble because I live with her now. Uh, who's endowed very well for a woman. And she obviously is implied to be kind of like, you know, somebody you meet up at a bar and you have sex oh, with. Oh, you mean a prostitute. <laughs> she might be. But she's dressed up nice in that. It's not implied she's a prostitute, but it's implied that she knew grandma's son in the biblical way. Yeah. And, you know, all that stuff. So, and then they get to the place, and the place is not like he said it was. Because, obviously, you know, he lied about it. So, they run across Comanches, and Josie Wells makes peace with them. And we get to the final scene. And, like I said, there's more in the that happens in this movie. Like, more, like, character bonding. I wouldn't say necessarily character growth. I think the only character that really grows in this movie is Josie Wells. Everybody else just kind of stays the same, but it helps further him to the next plot point. I'll tell you what, in this final and, shootout, uh, the granddaughter is just laying these guys out. Just Yes, yeah, she is. Yeah. She is a dead how about how fl- uh, Let's talk about this hilarious part where they dig through the roof of the house, and the dude jumps down. He doesn't have his gun. And when she turns around and shoots him, he's got his arms out like a fucking dinosaur. Like, ha! <laughs> but he's scared. It's like he's doing this with his hands like, I don't know what to do with my hands. Pow! He's dead. So that's funny. But they all get shot down. And this is, like, to, to make... make to uh, Hold on. I got my fucking words off. About... Oh, short circuit thing. There. So there's parts in this movie where the horses, like, this... take little fumbles and stuff. Do they talk about that? What the fuck are you talking about? Like, you know, where the the horses horses and stuff, like, tumble down the hills and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, those are, like, some... I didn't see anything about horses getting killed, but I didn't see anything about the horses being protected either. So, I don't know. That's rough. Evidently, like, one of the scenes... I heard this on one of the reviews. I didn't hear this, obviously, in the documentary. That Eastwood... um, Eastwood had, like, trouble with one of the horses, and he just fucking hauled off and hit one of the horses in the face or some shit like that. Now, that is unsubstantiated. I didn't read it. I heard it in a review of the movie. He said, damn, horse. So I'm just saying that's out there. But, you know, he 
you know, this movie was made on a tight budget, and, you know, he came in to direct the movie. And he was already the star, and the guy who wrote the screenplay was going to be the director, and they didn't get along because evidently they both wanted uh, Sandra Locke. And she picked Eastwood, and Eastwood had him fired. It's a whole thing. Um, so, and the people that Owen, that Owen, that Cody was talking about in the shootout, it's not the Comanches. Like, Josie Wells makes peace with the Comanches. Yeah, I know. Because you think the Comanches are going to, like, fuck just, them up, and they don't. He I comes just, up there and makes peace with them. I just threw Comanche out because that was, like, one of the thing, one of the groups that they deal with. Oh, oh I know. No, I don't think that's not your fault. That was my fault because I had joint, jumped from point to point, and you had talked about Comanches, and then you started talking about the shootout at the end. The shootout was with the Red Legs, so the Comanches. Right. You know, this is this is one of the few westerns you're going to see that portrays Native Americans in a sensitive light. On the Red Legs, and more right. like give them actual characters instead of just like, hmm, how the sun. Well, it's funny because Josie Wells was branding the cows they had on on the their property. But he was branding them with the signal. For the you Comanches. Know, it's like the signal signifying the unit of yeah, the Comanches. So. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we get the shot. The red legs show up. It's the guy who is the leader of the group that killed Josie Wells' um, family from the beginning of the movie. And reoccurringly throughout the movie, it's happened, it happens at least two times, if not three times. Josie hears his son's name calling his name out. I was like, Paul, just you know, asking for help and his wife and shit like that. So he still thinks about it as all this stuff's happening. Like, he gets kind of like a new family with this little rat tag of uh, characters with him. He doesn't want this family, but he's still trying to do the right thing and protect them. But he still hasn't forgotten his past, the past few years, obviously. He's still been trying to get, yeah. he wants to get his revenge. So he finally gets the motherfucker. He's been shot in the chest. He shoots Till, Tiller, and uh, I think that's the dude's name. I keep forgetting the fucker's name. Hold on. Josie it bothers me. I can't remember the name. It's Captain Terrell. Yes. Shit. And Captain Terrell, Captain Terrell kind of looks like Yosemite Sam. Um, but you know, not as much of a bushwhacker look mustache. Not a big like, handlebar thing. But anyway, so they have a thing. And it's real. It's a cool like scene where Josie Wells is firing the empty guns at him kind of like scaring him as he's walking towards him and then you know Terrell pulls out his knife or his bayonet or whatever and then Josie Wells takes it and stabs him in the gut and gets his revenge and then uh, the final scene Josie goes to the bar that they that's in the main town and there's two Texas rangers yeah. there and the people in the bar are telling them about Josie Wells getting killed by five like bushwhackers or some shit like that. Five red legs. And there's a third guy with them and he lifts he says something, and he lifts his head up, and you see it's Fletcher. And the funny thing is, they call him Mr. Wilson because they said that Josie Wells has got killed. The character that Josie Wells is based on was a real life uh outlaw in missouri to do okay the real josie wells was a confederate guerrilla fighter a bushwhacker uh, an associate of the bloody quantrill raiders he was born william bill wilson in the ozarks in missouri so this was a real guy that josie wells was based on so when they call him wilson at the end of the movie that's kind of a nod to like the actual character inspiration and then um 
it's a really cool little thing that you know like fletcher says he thinks he's gonna go to mexico and tell wells the war's over and you know the people of the bar don't know that they know each other and fletcher lets the texas rangers go off with a sign affidavit saying that josie wells is dead and they ain't gonna worry about him anymore and josie you know they have a kind of thing and josie rides off in the sunset and that's the end of the movie um in the book i think he goes back and marries laura lee which is the girl with the fuck me eyes or mm-hmm. probably mainly she has eyes that say give me my precious you know um other than that that's the kind of the plot of the movie like i said i kind of streamlined it and ran out of steam because it is kind of a simple plot but there's it's just it's like something else that gets added to him some kind of like extra burden but he does right by taking care of them ultimately you know he's a good guy but he plays the anti-hero yeah josie wills so um let me go ahead and go with cody cody what did you think overall about the movie because you said you did get bored and when they he finally got the full cast of characters with him that's when you were more interested in it and what did you think about the ending of the movie from that point um i thought it was all right i mean it's still i I still didn't think it was like anything great um but it 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 at least piqued my interest enough to you know you know well keep me interested in it up until the end so um i just hate that it took so long for that that moment to happen to really like grab me um let me ask you this because if I remember correctly, you loved Unforgiven. Yeah. Okay. What is the difference in Unforgiven than this movie? Because they're about the same length. Is it because Unforgiven has like more well-known actors and they kind of hold the screen better than most of these people? Um, it's not really that. I just think that I don't know because this isn't. I think I just like Unforgiven's like story of, you know part of it you know is revenge or whatever and part of it is um i'm trying to remember because it's been so long since i've seen that movie if i remember right well he's he's an ex like he's an ex yeah he's a shit he's a a he has a family now he's changed but he has to go back to his old ways yeah yeah and there's like the whole deal with like the guys like um beating beating the uh, women in the town and all that kind of stuff and um that one guy comes along and recruits him to like kill these men. I don't know. I just, I just find like the setup a lot more interesting. Like this is just really like, Oh, well there's a war going on and you know, he's on the run after, you know, being his home being attacked. It just, I don't know. It just kind of comes off as a little too common for a Western movie, I guess. So, okay. I got you. It's no big deal. I was just curious how that worked out. And I'm going to go to Owen after I get mine through because Owen's going to be more interesting than me. Um, I still really love this movie. I think it's great. I do. I can tell there's some parts are kind of boring in some areas in this movie. Not as much as obviously it was for Cody because I watched the whole movie. But it t- I did have to take a few breaks because I was more distracted by my phone. Um, if you're not in the right mindset, watching this movie where you're just like I want to watch a movie if you're just like distracted by a lot of things chances are you're not going to like this movie as much because it's easy it's easily to me to get distracted from but you know I think Clint Eastwood did a great job directing this I think he did a great job acting in this and everybody else did the best they could I love Fletcher 
I think the guy's got a great voice. I like uh, Terrell. Yeah, he's a piece of shit, but that actor plays in a bunch of stuff that I've seen, and he's a good actor. Um, so, yeah, I really enjoyed the movie, obviously. I mean, I picked it, and I grew up with it, and I love it. Um, and, you know, that's about it for me on my end from a deep thing. So, Owen, I'm going to go to you, sir. You watched it one time before. You didn't really remember it, and this is your second time watching it. But what did you think? Nah, I think I remembered it the first time I watched it. But um... Okay, Owen, just shut up with the story. Okay, come with the story. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I liked it. Um, again, as I watched it, I just think it's a really fun uh movie i mean it's not incredibly complex but i mean it really it kind of came at a time you know the 70s were kind of a time where i think a lot of people were you know dis you know i, I think this kind of story appealed to a lot of people back then and stuff like that and i think it was kind of groundbreaking groundbreaking even though you know now it seems like the story is a little bit um I guess generic, you know. Um, there's not really a whole lot going on, but I think the themes uh, really attracted people at the time. You know, I mean, we're talking, it was like a post-Vietnam War kind of world. People weren't trusting authority as much, so I think that really resonates with a lot of people uh, with regards to that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I just like it. I like shootouts. I like cowboy shit, so, I mean, it's as simple as that, uh, <laughs> you know. No, I mean, it's pretty complex. I was curious, you know, when we started this podcast to, like, do a full circle moment. Like, I knew me and Cody had some similar interests when it came to movies. And I know you guys would have similar interests when it comes to movies because you're kind of closer in age than I'm. Well, not closer in age. Cody likes newer stuff. And Owen would like newer stuff as well, too. But Owen is kind of an old soul, and Owen likes older movies like I do. So I knew there would be an interesting complex, but that was kind of different. It kind of sucks. I wish Cody liked it more. I figured he would have liked it because, I mean, you know, I think it's a good movie, but, you know, I was completely off. Everybody thought I'd like the movie X, and I fucking hated that movie. So, you know, to each his own, and I I missed my shot, man. I took my shot, and I missed it. Damn it. <laughs> so who's the next episode? Is it Owen's Owen, pick? Yeah, yeah baby. I kind of want to do. I kind of want to do the cursed movie. I kind of want to do Kung Pao. <laughs> <laughs> well, it would be fun just to fucking watch something stupid and have fun with. Yeah, I mean it's an incredible. Hey, there's not much. Uh, there's. I know. I I know that. I seen the trailer trailer to it. Uh, Cody, what was gonna be your movie after him? Uh, my next movie is Pearl. Pearl. Oh, Little pussy Pearl. <laughs> Yeah, I'll so try I, to find I, some excuse not to be on an episode. I kind of, <laughs> I kind of figure Owen will probably dig it, but I have a feeling that you may not like it just because it is, it is more of an artsy type horror movie. So, so do you want me to like when we do that episode? Do you want me to be like fun asshole about it and crack I mean, jokes, or do you want me to be like full Johnny Depp, Charlie no, Chocolate Factory? On whatever, it? whatever your opinions are of it. I mean, hell, you, you never know. Maybe you will like it, but. I just have a feeling you won't. We'll be su- I'll be surprised. I read the plot to it when we did X. I don't remember it. Yeah, I mean, the plot, the plot isn't really the thing that's good about it. It's really like the cinematography and the performances in it. Oh, great. I can't wait. And <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and throw my movie out there. Okay. I mentioned it earlier, and I'm fully prepared for Owen to like this movie and for Cody to hate this movie but I don't care because it is a favorite of mine. 
Um, it's 1980, 1986. Yeah, it's 1986. Heartbreak Ridge. It's a B movie, like military movie that Clint Eastwood did, and he directed. But there's a lot of humor in the movie. It's really good. It's it's just something like I watched that movie and I instantly liked Clint Eastwood after that point and I started watching more of his movies. Like that was the movie that was like, okay, cool, I get it. Like for me, watching Commando was what sold me on Arnold Schwarzenegger as a kid. And then from then on, I was like, okay, I can watch the movies. Because I think at that point, if I didn't like the star of the movie, I was not going to like the movie. Like whatsoever. And I'm, like I said, I'm a kid. This is like eight, nine, ten years old me. So I see Commando. I instantly like Arnold Schwarzenegger and all the shit he does. I see this movie. I instantly like Clint Eastwood and all his shit. So, gotcha. Um, but yeah. So next recording will be Kung Pao Enter My Pussy. Uh, the movie after that will be Pearl. Uh, I had something sexual with that. And I lost little it. Pussy Pearl. And then Pearl yeah, Pussy Pearl. Pearl and then yeah. Um, Heartbreak Ridge will be after that. So, do you guys have any closing thoughts on this episode, or you know, it's been it's been like a month since we recorded, guys. I missed you. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah, baby. Yeah, no, I don't have I don't have any other thoughts on the movie. So, um, okay. I'll have um, to say. Oh, real quick. Sorry. Oh, we didn't do the recommend thing. Owen, do you recommend this movie? All Josie Will. Yes. Yes. Okay. I do. De- I definitely recommend it. Cody, do you recommend it? Uh no, I can't recommend it. Okay, okay. I just want to make sure. I, I would have been real pissed at myself. If I didn't ask that. I was like, "Fuck, I forgot something." I'm not alone. All right, everybody. Uh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Thank you guys for uh, listening to Filmoscopy. Like, share, subscribe, rate us, uh, and, pillage and us. I, I said rate, not rape. So rate <laughs> and and then pillage. And make sure you stand comment stand section. by and stand down. And you know what, people? If you go on Siri or ask Alexa and you say, play Filmoscopy Podcast, we fucking come up, baby. So go ahead and try that shit out. It's fucking awesome. (laughs) Anywho, uh, you guys have a good night. And um, as always, finish him. And how about you, sir? Just a few bottles left. You won't regret it. Oh, my God. It's Josie Wales! Pull those pistols and whistle Dixie.